like the name of Jesus. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Praise the name of Jesus. Let me just say, when the enemy bullies me around, and I get knocked around, and I get pushed down like I've been the past couple of days, it makes me want to fight. Not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Hallelujah. So, because of that, and because I really want to make the devil mad and make him pay for what he's done to me, why don't you just do it again? Why don't you just lift up the name of Jesus and tell him how much you love him and tell him how good he is? Tell him how good he's been to you all the days of your life. Let let the Lord know that you believe in the strong arm of the Lord. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Lord, you are good. You are mighty and you are faithful. Oh, we give you glory and we give you honor because there is no God like Jehovah. Your word will stand and your word settles. It is settled forever in heaven and in earth. And we lift you up in this place tonight, Father. Oh, Father, I bless your name. I bless the name of the Lord. Hallelujah to your name. You are mighty and you are faithful. And your word will go forth. Your word will be declared from this house. Hallelujah to the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, I just thank you, Lord, for every opportunity to magnify your name. I thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to your servant daughter here tonight. I thank you that you have strengthened me in my hour of weakness. You have filled me when I have been empty. I thank you, God, that you knew 2,000 years ago that I would be standing right here, right now, in this place. And you knew the word that was about to go forth because you ordained it. You have already been here. You have already set things in place. You have already prepared our minds you have already prepared our hearts you have already prepared our ears to hear the word of the Lord oh father have your way in this house tonight have your way in this house tonight Lord let the all-consuming fire of the Holy Spirit burn every piece of flesh that resides in me tonight so that there's nothing left but you God so that you will shine so that your word will be manifested in this house and in the lives of your sons and daughters and you will be glorified through it We praise you, and we thank you, and I love you. I love you, Lord. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I thank you for your blanketed presence that is here. Hallowed be the name of the Lord. Hallowed be the name of the Lord. Hallowed be the name of the Lord. You are holy, holy, holy. You are holy and righteous in all your ways. And we lift you up in this place. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. You can be seated. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. 
Hallelujah. I'm going to read to you some scripture out of 1 Samuel. I don't expect to keep you a long time because I don't even really know how long this is. I don't think it's all that long, but that's okay. It's anointed. And the Lord's word will accomplish whatsoever he chooses in this place. So let's just, before we hear the word of the Lord, let's ask the Lord to open up our hearing. And let's put off all other, th all other thoughts so that we might be able to lean in to the voice of the Lord to hear what he wants to speak to us. Not what Rhonda's going to say, but what is the Lord going to say to you tonight? Let's ask him to open our eyes so that we can see what he wants to show us. Not me. You're not going to see me, but let's see the Lord. Father, we just thank you for your word that you've prepared. Help us, God, to discipline ourselves here tonight, Lord, to hear what the spirit of the living God wants to speak to us, Lord. Lord, you interpret this word into our spirit father in a way God that's going to manifest itself father and bring glory to you father help us God to set our affections and our eyes upon you in this room tonight father so that your good and perfect will would be accomplished and we give you thanks for it I'm going to read to you first Samuel chapter 5 verses 1 through 5 and it says and this is the ESV version. It says, when the Philistines captured the Ark of God, they brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Then the Philistines took the Ark of God and brought it into the house of Dagon and set it up beside Dagon. Now, that was really not very smart of them because um, Dagon is an idol. And... Um, it goes on to say, when the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, behold, and when you see that word behold, it means look, look at this. Let me show you what I want you to see. He says, behold, Dagon had fallen face downward on the ground before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and they put him back in his place. They erected the idol back beside the ark of the covenant again. But when they rose early on the next morning, behold, it means look, look again, look what happened, look at what's taking place here. Dagon had fallen face downward on the ground before the ark of the Lord, and the head of Dagon and both his hands were lying cut off on the threshold. Only the trunk of Dagon was left to him. This is why the priest of Dagon and all who enter the house of Dagon do not tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod to this day. So the Philistines captured the Ark of the Covenant. They took it from the Israelites and they took it back and they erected it up next to their idol Dagon. So we see that the head of Dagon has been cut off. The hands of Dagon, the idol... Has, has been cut off. They worshiped this statue. Um, the only thing that was left was the torso, and it was laying on the floor. And several things happened, which we're not going to get into here, that put the fear of the Lord into the Philistines. And uh, the ark was eventually returned. Uh, so the ark let me just tell you a brief little bit about the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark is a representation of the holiness of God, which covers our unrighteousness. 
It's made of wood and it's covered in gold, which represents the mortality and the stinkiness, the rottenness, the evil and the wickedness of our mankind, of our human being. And we are just like that wood that the ark was built out of. You and I are organic. And when the appropriate time comes one day, you and I are going to die. We're not made to live forever, but when Christ came, he covered us in the gold of his righteousness, just like the gold that was covered on that ark. And that way, nothing can corrupt you because God's righteousness is now your righteousness. When you repented of your sins and you put on the spirit of the Lord and you are covered by his precious blood, the shed blood of the lamb of God, he, he put his righteousness on you. And we've learned uh, about the cherubim that sit on top of the ark. And we know that between them is the mercy seat where the priests would come and they would sprinkle blood, uh, the blood of, the, of a sacrifice of a, a spotless lamb. And we've learned that now that mercy seat is in heaven itself where the spotless lamb, Jesus Christ, now sits and makes intercession for you and me today. So that's Jesus praying over us today. So what I want you to know is this Ark of the Covenant, this box became such a symbol of the presence of God that people started thinking that it was God. And people started worshiping the Ark of the Covenant instead of worshiping God who gave the instructions for the Ark. And we might criticize the Israelites for doing that, but really we have no right to do that because don't you and I do that? Don't we worship false idols? And if we say that we don't, then the truth is not in us because many of us do. And I say that with love and with kindness because the Lord wants to reveal things to us that are keeping us from his presence from being what he wants and where he wants us to be. We do the same thing. We elevate people and we worship people rather than elevating the Lord and worshiping the Lord. And what we don't realize is when we do that, we are setting ourselves up for failure, but we're also setting those people up because the Lord will eventually show us that these people are not our God. So we're going to move on from that. Um, so the ark of the Lord, the scripture tells us, is in a place called Ebenezer. Ebenezer is only mentioned three times in the Bible. It's a boy's name, and it's of Hebrew origin. And the name Ebenezer means, thus far, the Lord has helped us. So we're going to hop on over to 1 Samuel 7, and I'm going to read verses 7 through 12, and this is what it says. <clears throat> It says, now when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. They were asking him, please do not stop praying for us. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. Then Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel and the Lord answered him. Samuel cried out to the Lord and the Lord answered him. 
Samuel cried out to the Lord and the Lord answered him. When we cry out to the Lord, the Lord will answer us. We might not always get the answer we want. The answer might not always come in the form that we had hoped. But when we cry out to the Lord, he is faithful to answer us. And it goes on to say, Now, as Samuel was offering up a burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day and so confused them that they were overcome before Israel. So Samuel cried out to the Lord and the Lord answered him and the Lord made himself known to the people at um, Ebenezer. The Lord uh, made himself known to the people and uh, with a loud thunder. And that day, he confused the enemy right before Samuel's eyes. Confusion took place, and they, become af- they became afraid. And the men of Israel went out to Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and drove them back as far as below beth Then Samuel, you might want to write this down, 1 Samuel 7 and 12. Then Samuel took a stone, and he set it up between Mizpah and Shin, and called its name Ebenezer, saying, Thus far, the Lord has helped us. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. Now, you might ask, what is the connection between 1 Samuel 5 and 1 Samuel 7? And I'm really glad that you asked because I'm going to tell you, Ebenezer is the same battleground in chapter 5 as chapter 7. Ebenezer is the same battleground where the Philistines came and captured the Ark of the Covenant and took it from the Israelites. But Ebenezer is also the ground where Samuel and, and these Israelites came together and offered up a sacrifice to the Lord and repented and fasted. They repented of their idol worship because they were caught up in idol worship. They were caught up in rituals and they were withholding their sacrifices from the Lord. And the Lord was greatly displeased with them. So they repented and they made their wrongs right before the Lord. So both of those things happened on the battleground of Ebenezer. And um, so the same battleground where they were once defeated, they are now victorious. The place that they once had to fight, they are now winning. The same battleground where everything that was important to them was stolen was now returned. So it's here in this place, the battleground of Ebenezer, where Samuel placed a memorial stone as a reminder of what God had done for them. In the Bible, stones serve as tangible witnesses of what God has done for them. A stone has served throughout the Bible as a tangible witness. You and I are tangible witnesses for the Lord. Lot's wife was turned into a pillar of salt as a warning to those whose hearts were not fully dedicated to God and chose to look back toward worldliness. Jacob set up stones as witnesses of his encounters with God. One pillar, Mizpah, served as a witness of the covenant between Jacob and Laban, 
that they would not harm each other. Samuel placed a stone at Ebenezer as a testament for what God had done for them that day. They had an Ebenezer moment. Ebenezer moments are moments or times or seasons or situations or events that you know without a doubt that God has intervened in your life. That you know without a doubt that God has, has made himself, manifested himself in your situation to bring you out and to bring things, to turn things around. You realize that only God could have allowed the outcome that you've experienced. An Ebenezer moment is something where you know that you would not have survived had God not intervened. An Ebenezer moment is a moment when you know had God not made himself available and had he not revealed himself to you and had he not put his hand in your situation you would not be here today you realize that only God had the power and the motive and the ability and the power to do that thing that you needed to be done and when I think about where I have been, and when I think about where I could be today, and when I think about what could have happened, what should have happened, where I could be today, or where I should be today, I can't help but give God praise, because I have had not one Ebenezer moment, but I have had many Ebenezer moments, and I can't help but say, thus far, the Lord has helped me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When I think about the torment that the enemy had put me through, listen. There are a lot of things that I could share that I have not shared for a lot of reasons. Because I will not share something for the sake of telling a story. If it's not going to bring glory and honor to the name of Jesus, then I'm just going to keep it to myself. But I'm here to tell you something tonight. It might just be time for you all to know a few things. It just might be time for you to know I was not always in my right mind. And some might say you're still not. But let me tell you something. When your kids and when your grandkids are telling you, I hear voices you better listen to them. You better listen to them. And you better take authority over that tormenting spirit. Because let me tell you something. There was a time when I was young. I didn't hear voices. But I couldn't hear anything else. Because there was so much static. It was like a radio that I could not turn off. And I remember one day. And I know this is a devotion. And I'm sorry. I remember, you know, the Lord reminds me of things. Sometimes you forget things, and that's okay. We're not going to pull them back up if we don't have to. But sometimes the Lord will remind you, and I thank God for it because I can't tell you how many times I have asked the Lord, don't let me forget. Don't let me forget what you've brought me out of. Don't let me forget where I've been because I never want to lose that gratefulness. I never want to forget where I was at and what God brought me out of. But I remember being a young girl 
And I was in my bedroom at the foot of my bed because there was a little corner sitting there in the dark by myself just hoping to be found. Just hoping that somebody would find me and understand I'm in trouble. I need help. Help came, but it didn't come that day. Help came several years later, just like it did for them. But let me tell you something. You don't stop praying for your kids. And you don't stop praying for your grandkids. Because I'm here to tell you right now, it's the prayers of my mama and the prayers of my daddy that rescued me when I was curled up in the dark in the corner wanting somebody to find me so that they would know I'm in trouble. I need help. I need somebody to fix this for me. Nobody found me. But you know what? The Lord knew. The Lord was there and he picked me up and he put me on my feet and he put me back in right my right mind. And I'm telling you that because you need to know that you've got to pray. We're here tonight to pray. We're here tonight to, to bombard heaven and to put the enemy on defense and let him know you don't got my children. You're not taking my children. You've got no authority over my home. You've got no authority over my family. You've got no authority over my nation they belong to me and they belong to the Lord hallelujah sometimes we look at people and we think they've got it all together well yeah maybe I do today but it doesn't mean I did have yesterday maybe I've got it all together today but I can promise you I didn't have it together 30 years ago yeah I was young and there was a lot going on but that's okay the Lord was there And I had an Ebenezer moment because you know what? Thus far, the Lord has helped me. The Lord has helped me. He brought me up and he brought me out. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. And when I think about where I could be, I'm thankful. And I can confidently and boldly say Thus far, the Lord has helped me. Hallelujah. The Lord has brought me thus far. He has brought you thus far. He has brought our nation thus far. It could be worse than what it is right now. I pray I never see it worse than what it is right now. But I'm not going to make any assumptions. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to believe that what I pray shall come to pass. But I want to ask you tonight. Has the Lord delivered you from a snare? Has the Lord picked you up out of a pit and put you in your right mind? Have you passed through the waters without drowning? Has he parted the water for you and allowed you to cross over on dry land? Have you walked through the fires and you've come out unharmed? Has he not rescued you in times of trouble? The God that spoke to Abraham, has he not spoken to you? The God that spoke to Abraham, has he not spoken a word over you? He has the angel that wrestled with Jacob at Peniel. Has he never wrestled with you? He that stood in the fiery furnace with the three holy children. Has he never trodden coals at your side? Has he not done it for you? I can testify to you tonight that the Lord has been faithful to me. Hallelujah. 
I will not forget the manifestations of the Lord in my life, and I will not fail to rejoice in them. Have you not had the favor of the Lord over your life? Have you not had choice favors over your life the God that gave Solomon the desire of his heart has he never listened to you and answered your prayers that God of lavish bounty of whom David sang he said who satisfies my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles has he never satisfied you with fatness he has fatness in the spirit Hallelujah. Has he not made you to lie down in green pastures? He has. Has he not given you a drink when you have been thirsty? He has. Hallelujah. Thus far, the Lord has helped me. And thus far, the Lord has helped you. So we are tangible witnesses unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's our lives. Our lives are a memorial to the Lord. My life is a memorial to the Lord. I pray, Lord, let my life praise you. When I get caught up in myself, Lord, let me remind me to repent. Don't let me continue in that path. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord. First Peter 2 and 5 says... You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Let your life shine for Jesus while you have the opportunity. Otherwise, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Never will a rock cry out in my place. Never will a rock cry out of my place. If you don't lift up the name of Jesus and if you don't give him glory and honor and praise from your own lips, then a rock is going to cry out in your place. I pray that a rock never has to cry out because of whatever is silence in me. Let me not be silent. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Praise the name of Jesus. I want to tell you, Let your will be done on earth, Father, as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. Do you know that it is not quiet in heaven? Do you know that heaven <clears throat> is not silent? <clears throat> heaven has never been silent. Heaven's not silent. It's full of worship and it's full of praise. There's only one time that heaven's going to be quiet, according to Revelations 8 and 1. The sound of silence is going to last for 30 minutes. And it says, since time began, heaven's been noisy. It's been full of sound, the sound of worship and the sound of praise. But for 30 minutes, it's going to be quiet. It's going to be silent. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what heaven is like right now with the sounds of adoration and praise and worship going forth to the Lord? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Can you imagine in that 30 minutes when it goes silent? Can you imagine the stillness and the quiet? 
quietness. All of heaven is going to stand and they're going to say nothing. Not one word will be spoken. The cherubs around the throne will stop moving. The elders will stop casting their crowns. And the saints beneath the altar are going to stop crying out for vengeance. For 30 minutes, there will be no worship. There will be no praise. And all of the sound emanating from the throne room will stop. And heaven will be dead silent. The Bible says for 30 minutes, you can look it up in Revelations 8. Because sometime in the very near future, the scroll of vengeance of the Lord will be presented and there will be nobody in heaven worthy to open it. And Jesus will stand up and the Lamb of God will stand up and he'll walk to the scroll of the vengeance of the Lord and he will break the seal open. And for half an hour, all of heaven is going to stop and they're going to watch because they've never seen this side of God before. But for 30 minutes, there's no other name. There's no other being. There's no other entity, no other force, no other power. No other anything in the world that is worthy to open the scroll of God's vengeance but Jesus. And he's going to break the scroll. And what's going to begin to happen when the king, when the lamb opens the scroll and all of heaven will be in shock and all, including us, if we're there. And we're, we're there at the time but it, because it's the final chapter it's the final chapter of earth as we know it. And Jesus is the only one that is worthy to open the scroll. And then at the end of 30 minutes, when he releases what's written in the scroll on earth, all of heaven at the end of 30 minutes. One, two, three, four. Seven, eight, nine, ten. It's ten seconds. Thirty minutes of silence. At the end of thirty minutes, when he releases what's written in the scroll on earth, all of heaven is going to erupt into the most air-splitting, soul-rendering shout of praise that the universe has ever heard. All of heaven will release a roar and they will break out in song, singing in one accord. Who is worthy to open the scroll? Only you, Yeshua. Only you, Yahweh. Only you, Lord of lords and King of kings. It's too quiet. It's too quiet here. And we don't have to be. We don't have to wait until then to erupt with a sound of praise. We don't have to wait until then to erupt our voices with praise and adoration to the king. We should not be silent. We should be raising our voices in prayer and loving up on Jesus and let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's my prayer tonight. Hallelujah.